0: day, You get breakfast in bed, so the kids and I got up extra early and got breakfast for Christy ready. We tried to be as quiet as we could and got her a donut and her breakfast sausage that that she likes. Uh, Then we went over to, uh, Grace made her some hot tea, and and then we gathered everything onto the tray and walked into the bedroom and uh, promptly woke up Christy from a deep, sound sleep. It occurred to me as we did that, albeit with the best of intentions, we uh, really personified or pictured what a mother's life is like. Uh, There's not a lot of free moments, as any mother can testify to. There's not a lot of time when you have, especially small children, uh, even moments of peace in the restroom uh, are often interrupted by someone knocking at the door or little tiny fingers creeping under the crack between the, the door and the floor. If you're a mom, you know what I'm talking about. Today, as we talk about Mother's Day and think about that, I want you to know that Mother's Day is kind of tricky for preachers. It's hard because although it's a special day, uh, there's some, some tricks to it. First of all, if you're speaking directly to mothers, uh, you've instantly left out half of the audience. Uh, you're speaking about something which you are not an expert. <laughs> I'm certainly not a mother and have no experience with being a mother. I have a mother, but that's as far as my experience goes. So I speak about things of which I do not know and understand fully. It's hard because some people can't be mothers. They struggle with infertility. I've heard of moms or uh, moms that desire young ladies that desire to be mothers who actually will skip church and stay home on Mother's Day because it's so hard. And if you're one of those mothers, if you're one of those young ladies, know that our hearts and our prayers are with you. It's a real thing. Uh, some of people have, did not have a, a good mother you had a bad mother an abusive mother a dysfunctional mom and an addicted mom um, and mother's day is hard it's hard to to come back to the wounds of the past and there are people who are watching who who have regrets as mothers over what they did or didn't do in the past so as good of a, as mother's day is we ought to give honor to whom honor is due uh, it can be a challenge there's a song uh, that we usually don't sing around this time of year. It's Mary, Did You Know? And it's the perspective asking Mary, Did she understand uh, all of the great things that her son, all the ways in which her baby boy Jesus would go on to change and impact the world, all the good things he would do? Did she understand that fully? Well, today, I want you to maybe think about this from what Mary did know. We don't know exactly what she knew, but there are some things that I'm convinced as we look at the Scriptures that we can rest assured that Mary did know. And whether or not you are a mom, uh, these lessons will apply to you. And they're not just good for moms, they're good for all of us. The first is, uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we see the... Really important attitude that Mary held before she even officially became a mom. Uh, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, all of these are very great and certainly very true promises that the angel made. But but Mary is thinking about one small, tiny little detail, and she voices it in verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And what's interesting is the, the angel gives her an answer which probably doesn't help clarify Mary's understanding at all. the Holy Spirit is going to come on me well, well well how am I supposed to explain that to my, my friends and and, and And my family and, and and to to joseph and and to my parents i mean what what does this mean? The angel goes on to say verse thirty seven for nothing will be impossible with god it's interesting it, there are some people that don't believe that, that that virgin birth was a real thing. They try to explain it away. They really believe that <laughs> there are certain things that are just impossible for God to do. Of course, we don't believe that. Nothing will be impossible with God, the angel says. And, and this is what I want to point out. And Mary said, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Isn't that beautiful? In a moment where her mind and her heart were no doubt full of questions, in a, in a moment where she had her life completely and entirely not only interrupted, but disrupted. I mean, our lives have been interrupted. Her life was disrupted in in a most dramatic way, in a way that she could hardly explain from a messenger she had never seen. And yet through all of that, her attitude is beautiful. She didn't understand. She very likely could not explain. And yet she beautifully and humbly yielded to God. Mary knew that she was a steward. She wasn't the owner. She was a servant, not the master. You and I, and and all of us, in some form or another, are stewards of God's blessing. Now, stewards a word, unfortunately, we've relegated to just talking about money, but it's so much bigger than that. Moms, you're a steward of your children. God gave them to you. For a reason and for a purpose. You may not understand. and I mean, some days you may wonder how it is that you have the children that you have. But God assigned you for a reason and for a purpose. You are the Lord's servant. And God is still a God of the impossible. Now, now here's what I love. We, we, We see her humility toward the Lord. And then we see her attitude toward the Lord. She understood her role and her purpose. Look at verse 46 of Luke chapter 1. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy Is his name. Mary understood. Mary understood not just who she was. But who God is. We sing that song. We sing that song of these verses right here. And this morning if you're watching. I would like for you to just close your eyes. And listen to the song. And and we of course we don't know how Mary. Sung it. But here's how we sing it. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God. My Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God. Isn't that beautiful? Not just of of the way it was sung, not just the words, but the humble state of a beautiful mother who had no idea about how to be a mom. And yet when God said, this is the purpose I have for you, Mary, she says, I am the Lord's servant. And she continued to glorify God in all that she did. May we remember our role. Now, there are some people that raise Mary a little higher than I think even Mary would want to be raised. There are some people who, who almost worship Mary, and the Scripture never calls us to do that. No, oh, Mary herself said, I am the Lord's servant. God used her in wonderful ways, but we know that <laughs> Mary was not perfect. We know that from our second lesson, a lesson that she was reminded of 12 years later. And the second lesson for us is to give yourself grace. Look at Luke chapter 2. Now, we we'll are fast forward here. Now, we've gone from before Jesus' birth to when he's around age 12. And this is what the scripture says according to Luke. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went about a day's journey, and they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to him and asking them questions. And all who heard were amazed at the understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Now, astonished probably doesn't do it justice. There are times when parents sort of let their children run free. Uh, we're, we're missing family camp this year, but family camp, for Northsiders who know, and I hope you plan to attend in future years, uh, is a time when, really, we're family. It's one giant family, and kids are kind of community property, if you will. And I might see my children at the beginning of the day, and maybe around mealtime, but they're off running wild, they're playing with their friends, they're in their classes, they're having a good time. Uh, they, they, they love the freedom. Well, Mary and Joseph are in a similar kind of situation, Passover being a big deal, lots of family, lots of people traveling together, and they just assume as they go along that Jesus is here somewhere. And they travel on for about a day and realize, uh, you have you seen Jesus? No, I haven't seen him. Go check over there. Go, go talk to some of his cousins. Maybe, maybe John's seen him. No, no, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? I mean, you heard the angel. He told us to name him God with us. At this point, from what I can tell, God ain't with us. Now, can you imagine the panic in their hearts? Maybe you've been there as a mom or a parent. You, you took your, your little toddler shopping. Uh, you went to Target or Walmart and, and, and you're shopping and your little one's right kind of at your feet and you're, you're looking at clothes or you're looking at some things and all of a sudden you turn around where the child was and the child is no longer. You ever have that moment? And there's that moment when your heart just sinks and you begin to panic and the adrenaline comes up and the heart rate you know goes faster and you're looking around frantically and you don't see them and you begin to call their name louder and louder and louder until until... Hopefully you find the child. It's a scary moment for a parent. Imagine being in Mary and Joseph's position. Now the scripture says they were astonished. And we often focus about here's 12-year-old Jesus teaching at the temple and how cool that was. But I want you to think for just a second what those three days were like where they couldn't find Jesus. I mean, their heart rate had to be through the roof. Imagine the the, the stress that they were under, waking up day one. Where is he? Where is he? We've got to find him. I mean, going to bed not knowing where the Son of God that you had been given to steward was. Where is he? Where is he? And then at last, they find him. They're in the temple. They see him. Is that? No, that couldn't be. He's, there's a bunch of teachers sitting around there. Well, there's a boy about Jesus. It's like, go oh, check it out. Now, can you imagine the, the moment that they see him and they, they, they catch his eye? You, you know what that's like as parents? Back to Walmart or Target and, you're, and you finally find your child and you see them and they're off in the toy section and they're, they're, they're just totally carefree. And you see him and you're, what the scripture says, astonished. It's this idea of <laughs> simultaneous deep love. And absolute furious anger, <laughs> and you grab him by the shoulders. Oh, I'm so glad to see you. Oh, I'm so glad I found you. But I want to kill you. Can you can you imagine that moment when they see him and they just? I mean, I don't know. Did did Mary and Joseph do the look? Did they did they do that? Get over here! Stop teaching. Get. I know. You don't tell me about your father's house. You get over here right now. I mean, just imagine this interaction. Certainly they knew who he was, but they were, had to be overjoyed and at the same time completely frustrated with Jesus. Now, Jesus didn't do anything wrong, of course. I just want to point out this, this fact that as moms, even as dads, as parents, There's none of us who do it perfectly. Mary and Joseph didn't. You don't. And when God called you to be a mom to your children, in the days of social media where everybody's lives are perfect and filtered and all of that, it's easy for moms to feel a lot of pressure. Easy to feel like, I don't measure up. Easy to feel like, you know, I'm just not doing as much as these other moms. I'm not as good as a mom as this mom. I could never measure up to my mom. I mean, just all of these levels of pressure. And not from anyone else, but moms putting it on themselves. None of us is perfect, and none of us does it perfectly. And I want to remind you that when God called you to be a parent, to be a mom, he factored in everything. He knew that Mary and Joseph would get distracted for a few days and that Jesus would be working. God already knew that was going to happen. And when God called you to be a parent, he factored in your sin, your struggles, and your stupidity. He did. He knew that you wouldn't do it perfectly. And he called you to do it anyway. He factored in all of that and he showed you grace. Romans 3.23, the famous verse is, For all have sinned and fall short. And sometimes moms feel like they're continually falling short. If you're a mom who feels like you're continually falling short, I want you to read verse 24 of Romans 3. Because it's an important part. We need to join those two together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace. Praise be to God. We don't have to do it perfectly, and including parenting. And if you're a, a mom and, and, and your children are grown and raising their children and, and you're filled with regret, you're, you're, you're filled with angst, you, you, you feel so almost remorseful over the time that you lost, you just need to give yourself some grace. And maybe you need to apologize, maybe you need to have a conversation, but don't Short yourself on the grace that God extends to you and to everyone. Give yourself grace because God did. Regardless of what social media may portray, there are no perfect moms. No perfect moms exist. In fact, I realized this when I when I came upon a story, and the reason I came upon the story was it was accompanied by this picture as I was scrolling through social media. I thought, well, this is an unusual picture, so I stopped. And I read the following from a friend of mine who's a mom. She says So last night, I sat myself in the bathroom floor, in the bathroom on the floor, in pregnant mommy timeout. And I cried. I felt super overwhelmed by my running list of to dos take a shower, notice there's mold, add that to the list, use the bathroom, notice the stains in the bathroom, add that to my list. Wash my hands, notice the sink is dirty, and add that to the list. Walk past the crib, remember that I need to hunt down Parker's old newborn clothes. Add that to the list. Go make breakfast, oh, we're out of milk. Add that to the list. There was nowhere in the house that I could go that there wasn't a reminder of something that I needed to do, somewhere that I was falling short. I think for a lot of moms, it's unending These days, this mental list, this management of the household. And I'll never understand how men can enter a house or a room and literally think of nothing but what they came in for. Either way, it got to me in that moment, whether hormones or just too much to do or a baby coming or quarantine. It was just too much. So I sat on the floor. I shut the door and I cried real hard. I closed my eyes, and I just started to think about breathing. And so I breathed. I was ready to snap. I was ready to snap at Tucker, my husband. I was ready to snap at the kids. I was ready to be angry and yell and scream and blame everyone. Luckily, a timeout was all I needed. To regroup, to take a breath, to calm down. And then to listen. Listen. To listen to Tucker making dinner for me and the kids. To listen to kids happy and giggling at the table. To listen to the sounds of life in my house. To hear the sounds of a family. What a blessing. Indeed. You know, I was thinking, maybe, maybe we ought to break the myth of perfect moms. If you're watching out there, and and you can relate to Kaylee's story, I want to challenge you today to post a picture of imperfect moms. Use that hashtag if you like. Whether it's a pile of dirty laundry that's been sitting there for weeks, or the dirty dishes that haven't been put up, or a crying child that refuses to be comforted, pick a part of your life that's imperfect and put it, On social media. Do you know why? Because people need to know. that Social media is just a mirage. And occasionally we need truth tellers like Kaylee. Who can be honest with where they're struggling. And point us back to the mercies and grace. And goodness and blessings of God. So if you're so bold and so brave. I hope that on Instagram today. Instead of that perfectly edited picture of you and your children. uh, Maybe post an imperfect picture. You know why? Because we all fall short and we all need grace. Be real, be honest, be vulnerable and embrace the struggle. The more that we embrace the struggle, the more we see our need for a Savior. We all do. You don't have to be perfect and that's the good news. And the even better news is you have an opportunity in your imperfections to point to one who is perfect. And this is the third le- uh, lesson that Mary taught us. And this one's in the book of John. John chapter 2. Turn to John chapter 2. Starts with the first miracle of Jesus. and It's kind of an unusual one. It's not one we spend a lot of time on. In fact, it seems from the story that Jesus wasn't quite prepared himself for this to be the first miracle. But, but here it is. In the moment... We learn this lesson from Mary, and that is that she taught them to trust him. John chapter 2, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I love that. Here Jesus is, probably around 30 years old. Mary's had enough time to see Jesus and to see the interaction with Jesus and to see how her baby boy was special and unique. And I know all mothers think that. But (laughs) in Jesus' case... Mary was absolutely right. She knew. And and then this strange moment of a a wedding, and maybe it was a family wedding. We're not not exactly sure, but there was this wedding, and and Mary's invited, and Jesus is there, and there's a problem, you see. There's a problem that she can't do anything about. But when she knows there's a problem that she can't fix, she, she knows there's one who can, and it just happens to be her son. And here's Jesus saying, Mom... What does this have to do with me? And in classic mother style, she just ignores that objection and goes straight to the servants and says, Now you listen to Jesus and do whatever he says. I love that attitude because she was exactly right. Her instructions to the servants is a wonderful example for all moms. You don't have to be perfect, but point to the one who is. And teach your children. And if you're a grandmother, teach your children's children these very simple things. Five words. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Whatever kind of mom you are, I hope today that you'll remember your role. That you'll give yourself some grace. And that you will, in every area of your life, every area that you touch... Teach people to do whatever he tells you. Beautiful lessons from Mary for not just moms, but for all of us. May we today take time to give honor to whom honor is due, to to bless our mothers. And and it's going to look a little different today, but that's okay. But may we all remember who we are, that we're servants, not owners. That we're servants, not masters, that we're stewards and not owners. May may we give ourselves grace and we seek the grace that God gives us, knowing that he doesn't call us to be perfect, but to point our lives to the one he is. And and may in all things, may we teach others to trust him and to point those five simple words to whatever he tells you in our own lives and the lives of those all around us. May God bless you today.